is the treasury market on the verge of a crisis? According to many in the mainstream, no less, the answer could be yes. In fact, you hear this more frequently, you hear it all the time actually, that the treasury market seems to be broken, that this deepest, most liquid market in the world isn't as deep and as liquid as it had always been. And going back to what happened in September, it seems, at least according to this mainstream view, something needs to be done before it becomes an even larger issue. Now, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen raised some eyebrows last month when she mentioned that her department was studying a bringing back a buyback program. That just raises the question, what would a buyback program do? What is the purpose behind a buyback program? And is she saying, is she agreeing with the assessment that the treasury market is indeed on the verge of crisis? And if so, what is the crisis? Where does all this stuff come from? We have lots of questions here, very few answers, very few legitimate answers because of course, because when we're talking about the treasury market, what we're really talking about is dealers, balance sheet capacity, and collateral. All the things that nobody pays much attention to, except when those, start, those things start to go wrong, and then we're forced to notice them. So let's set the record straight here about a whole bunch of stuff, including treasury buybacks. What are treasury buybacks really about, and what is really going on in the treasury market? Now, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University, of course. As always, if you want to check out more about what Eurodollar University is about, go to our website, eurodollar.university. There's membership opportunities there, exclusive video content. You can learn about the Eurodollar system, how money works, collateral, all the stuff that we talk about on these shows. What is really going on? You can find that in the Eurodollar University memberships. We've got subscriptions, Markets Insider Pro. I do a daily briefing that gets you caught up on all the day's big macro events, as well as some market commentary about some things that are going on in the monetary system that are worth paying attention to. And I do a deep dive analysis, which is a separate subscription, um, going behind the scenes or going behind the, into the deep end of the Eurodollar system to really break down all of the things that we talk about here. All of that Eurodollar University website is eurodollar.university. Check us out. Okay, treasury buybacks. What is a treasury buyback? What's really going on here? Now, Janet Yellen didn't just raise the issue of a treasury buyback out of the blue. In fact, this is something that the Treasury Borrowing Advisory Committee seems to have been agitating for for quite some time. In fact, this was referenced going back to August, and I think it was mentioned even earlier than that. Now, the Treasury Borrowing Advisory Committee, of course, is a group of banks that advise the Treasury about borrowing in the marketplace. So they kind of know what's going on in the market, and they know, as everybody should, if all you got to do is look at T-bill prices and other things, that something isn't right in the marketplace because there's a huge sustained demand for not just treasury bills, but other forms of treasury notes and bonds, a particular form of notes and bonds that we'll get into in just a minute. But what is really happening here? Why is liquidity in the treasury market going wrong? That's a question that everybody seems to be asking in the mainstream. And I'm gonna highlight a, a, a recent article from the Washington Post that I think accurately characterizes the, mis the mistakes, the mistaken impressions, the misunderstanding about what's going on. So what the Washington Post wrote after Yellen brought up the idea of treasury buybacks was that big financial institutions haven't been as willing to serve as market makers. Burdened by the so-called supplementary leverage ratio, or SLR, which requires that banks set aside capital against such activities, such as making markets and treasuries. 
In addition, of course, the Federal Reserve has begun cutting some of its holdings of treasuries, a process known as quantitative tightening that many fear will make liquidity issues worse. So they blame regulation, they blame the Fed quote unquote tightening with QT, which sounds like legitimate uh, explanations for what seems to be a liquidity issue in the treasury market. But even if all that were true, how in the world would a buyback program help this? In fact, it wouldn't. And that's really kind of interesting because the, the mainstream explanation is about this. Too many treasuries. The Fed's no longer a buyer. Now there's fewer bank reserves, but a buyback doesn't change any of those things. So if the Treasury Borrowing Advisory Committee is saying we need a buyback program, we would really like one. In fact, that's if you go back to the minutes of the meeting, of the November meeting just held last week from the TBAC, um, the minutes say dealers generally thought a treasury buyback program was worth further exploration. The committee, the TBAC, asked Treasury about the next steps regarding buybacks. The committee thought it was prudent for Treasury to study this issue further. What is the buyback program? Well, the buyback program is, is where the Treasury would rejigger its auction schedule so that it auctions more on-the-run uh, securities. So for example, because we know the market loves treasury, can't get enough treasury bills, uh, the treasury department might, uh, might auction off a lot more treasury bills than they, ne they ne otherwise need just for funding the fiscal deficit. And then take the proceeds of those extra bills sold that the market really wants and buy off the run securities, securities that don't trade as much. So they're taking some of the illiquid issues out of the marketplace and giving the marketplace what it does want, which is more the on-the-run illiquid stuff. Now that doesn't that doesn't counter quantitative tightening. It has nothing to do with the level of bank reserves. It is simply adding more on-the-run stuff the market wants for off-the-run stuff that has caused trouble in the past. And that's kind of the issue here: caused trouble in the past because. Nobody seems to really get what that trouble was and why it is becoming, why it is still being a problem today. Because a buyback program, that's the quantitative tightening, all this other stuff, what the mainstream is basically saying is, we heard the word liquidity. Everybody says liquidity in the treasury market seems to be bad. Therefore, we're going to blame all the things that everybody has been blaming all along, whether it's government regulation or the Federal Reserve, because we don't really know what's happening here. And that's been true from the very beginning. In fact, let's go all the way back to 2019. You remember 2019? 2019 was the repo rumble, September of that year. The repo market, something happened. Nobody really, to this day, people still can't, uh, can't seem to explain what it was, but we do know what the Federal Reserve did in response to it. The Fed said, well, we don't wanna do more QE, because if we do more QE, then the public will get the impression that we're doing QE. We don't want them to think we're doing QE because we want to pretend all of this stuff, including this global recession that's developing pre-COVID, it's no big deal. So in order for us to pretend we're doing something about the repo problem, at the same time as pretending we're not doing QE, they came up with this not QE5 genius plan, which would buy, which would, uh, buy treasury bills from the marketplace. And that was the justification how they sold it to the public. We're, gonna, we're not buying bonds and notes like we did in past QEs. We're buying just bills so that we can tell you it's not actually QE. 
The reason they were buying bills or anything in, the, in, in any asset in particular was because they didn't know what else to do. When all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So in response to that major issue in September 2019, the Fed did what it always does. Not fix the repo issue or what was really wrong in repo, but rather offer more bank reserves. And the only way to increase the level of bank reserves is to buy assets from the market. But they didn't want to buy notes and bonds because they didn't want people to get confused about this being QE or not. But was the issue really bank reserves? No, it was never about bank reserves to begin with. How do we know? Well, Jay Powell told us. In fact, the banking system told us. But Jay Powell specifically told us in the autumn of 2019 at one of his press conferences, he mentioned, he, st he stated outright, banks had told us that their lowest comfortable level of reserves was here. They were well above that in September of 2019, and yet they didn't deploy that liquidity when there seemed to be great opportunities to do that. That didn't happen. So banks in 2019 saw the repo rate skyrocket, even, even to the point that pulled the federal funds rate up and sat on their hands. So what would, as they told Jay Powell, as Jay Powell told the public, they had plenty of reserves if that was the issue. But that was never the issue. The issue was balance sheet capacity, which we can't get into here. I want to stay focused on buybacks and things like that. So the Fed responded to this issue by just doing what it always does, which is create more bank reserves. Whether or not bank reserves are the problem, they don't care. They just think that the public will follow along. And if the public follows along and believes the Fed is fixing the problem, regardless of whether it is or not, the Fed's content to, for the public to be fooled in that way. And of course, the media only helps out by sowing even more and more confusion. But the Federal Reserve was committing an enormous error, as I pointed out repeatedly during that period, because they were buying treasury bills, which were the best of the best collateral, on-the-run collateral. Now, what is on-the-run? On-the-run is any issue that the treasury or any other entity, including GSEs, that the, the securities that they're immediately auctioned, the auction that, that, that just happened. So if the Treasury just auctioned off 10-year notes, for example, the specific security that is that 10-year note, the specific QSIP, and then the reopenings afterward, those are considered on-the-run. And there is a market for those on-the-run securities because the on-the-run securities are the closest to what the market conditions are at that particular time. For example, a 10-year note that was auctioned five years ago is considered like it's it's considered in the five-year bucket in the five-year maturity because it has five years left to maturity, but it's not a five-year note, is it? It's a ten-year note with five-year-old interest rate and pricing characteristics. So even though it's considered a five-year left to maturity and considered as, as that part of the yield curve, the markets it's not exactly the most uh, mo the most uh, demanded in the marketplace because it's not specifically a five-year note. Whereas in a five-year note sold today represents what the market characteristics are right today. So the on-the-run five-year note, there's a market for it. There's a deep liquid market. There's buyers and sellers and everything in that market for the on-the-run five-year note. Whereas that five-year-old treasury that still has five years left to maturity, which is treated sort of like a five-year note, there's maybe not necessarily a market for that. So the market prioritizes on the run securities and every single treasury bill is on the run. They're always on the run, plus they're price insensitive compared to everything else. So treasury bills, the Federal Reserve in the fall of 2019 was buying treasury bills 
because they wanted to pretend they weren't doing QE to raise the systemic level of bank reserves that banks didn't need. Great, huh? So fast forward into March of 2020. Now we'll have a massive global, global dollar shortage, dollar crisis, in which a huge part of it was on-the-run collateral. And the Federal Reserve had just taken on-the-run collateral away from the marketplace. More than, two, or more than $300 billion had been purchased between October 2019 and March of 2020, which is $300 billion that the market didn't have available for it when it really needed it. And so we have this major misunderstanding about what actually happened in March of 2020. And what most people are led to believe is that the Federal Reserve saved the system again, but how did it specifically save the treasury market from blowing up? Because as we heard for the first time, treasury market was in danger of being destroyed by all this selling when nobody was buying except the Fed. And in fact, the Fed's QE saved the day because the Fed seemed to be the only one buying. That wasn't true. That wasn't true at all. What actually happened was very different. So what the, what the mainstream story says is that a bunch of sellers started selling in treasuries, the treasury market was malfunctioning, liquidity broke, in, broke down, the treasury market itself broke, Hero J. Powell sweeps in to save the day with these massive QE purchases, and everything is hunky-dory thereafter. Great, huh? But then why is the treasury market still broken to this day? That, they never really get into that. But that's not what actually happened in March of 2020 either. We had a massive collateral squeeze because of a global dollar problem. So what happened was the selling, the selling in the treasury market was from primarily, but not exclusively foreign reserve managers who were facing a massive dollar shortage, a massive dollar squeeze in their local jurisdiction. So they did what they always do, which is sell their treasuries because that's why they have their treasuries to begin with. But most of what foreign reserve managers have are off the run securities. Now, normally when they want to sell their off the run securities, they contact their dealer and say, I want to sell you this treasury. And the dealer says, oh, I'll take it because you're one of our biggest customers. So I'm not going to tell you no, even though the dealer doesn't want to buy the security, it will buy it as an accommodation for the reserve manager. And usually it funds that purchase because it doesn't want to use its own balance sheet or its own cash to do so. It'll fund that purchase in the repo market. So the reserve manager sells the, the off-the-run treasury to the, to the dealer who then uses that as collateral in the repo market. And when things are okay in the repo market, that's not too hard to negotiate. It is a U.S. treasury after all, but if it's, even if it is off the run. But if there's an enormous amount of sales going on all at the same time, guess what happens? Dealers don't want to buy them. They go to the repo market with increasingly illiquid collateral, which as we all know, or we all should know, is a huge problem because repo market counterparties only care about the liquidity characteristics of the collateral being put up. So if a repo market cash lender says, I've got the option of lending against a on-the-run five-year treasury, which I know is going to have a market for it. So if I, have to, if I have to seize the collateral because of default and sell it tomorrow, I'm reasonably assured I'm going to get my cash back. Whereas somebody else is offering a five-year note, but that's one that's actually a five-year-old 10-year U.S. treasury that is off the run, maybe there's not going to be a market for that. So I don't necessarily want the off-the-run treasury. So the Treasury market portion of collateral seemingly broke down, 
but it didn't actually break down. It was because there was too many sales, too much off the run collateral being offered for the market to absorb. And the market became picky and choosy because in a crisis situation, as we know repeatedly, cash lenders prioritize liquidity characteristics above everything else. And so if you have a rash of sales and off the run treasuries, that's no different than a rash of sales or offering junk quality collateral because the liquidity characteristics of off the run treasuries are what matters to the repo. Not that they're a treasury, but what are the liquidity characteristics of that particular treasury? And so the March 2020 FOMC acknowledged how it wasn't necessarily the treasury market liquidity broke down, but this bifurcation between off the run and on the run securities. Here's the March 2020 minutes that, weren't re that were released in early April. In the treasury market, following several consecutive days of deteriorating conditions, again, off the run, on the run, market participants reported an acute decline in market liquidity. No, not quite. A number of primary dealers found it especially difficult to make markets in off-the-run treasury securities and reported that this segment of the market had ceased to function effectively. Why? Because the repo market. The repo market counterparty said the liquidity characteristics of an illiquid, an illiquid credit mean it's not negotiable in the repo marketplace. This disruption in intermediation was attributed in part to sales of off-the-run treasury securities and flight to quality flows into the most liquid on the run treasury securities. Repo collateral, not liquidity in the marketplace. Now everybody has made it seem as if that the treasury market broke down, but that's not the issue here. Again, going back to March, 2020, what actually happened? What really triggered this, 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 uh, this, this run on, on the run treasury collateral? What made the off the run securities so bad? It's the question nobody wants to answer. Why was there so much selling in the first place? You cannot expect market makers to make markets in securities where no market for them had existed, especially under the strain and the volume of the sell orders of March of 2020, when reserve managers were forced to sell their treasuries because of the global dollar shortage they were facing. So they were selling assets that didn't have a ready market available for them during the worst possible time to be doing so, just like any other crisis. So the problem isn't the selling, or the, the problem isn't the lack of buying, the problem is why there was so much selling in the first place. It's not a treasury market breakdown, it is a global dollar shortage. Reserve managers had to sell in the first place, and what they had to sell were off the run treasuries. And as they sold more off the run treasuries, and as the repo market treated them, is increasingly illiquid and unreliable collateral, it led to this spiraling effect. It led to the fact that more managers had to just sell these off the run treasuries at any price that they could, which then made them seem even more illiquid, which meant that repo counterparties were going to accept them less and less and less, thereby hurting everybody into on the run treasuries where the market remained as it always had. Let me say that again. You cannot expect market makers to suddenly make a market in securities where no market for those securities had existed before. That's not a broken treasury market. That is the treasury market resp re rationally responding to the reason everybody is selling in the first. That's the part nobody wants to talk about. The global dollar shortage here is the issue, not the treasury market off the run 
breakdown. And of course, why is this still an issue today? Because if you were a counterparty, you were a dealer who went through the March 2020 crisis, and you realize how ridiculous the Fed is trying to offer more QE and more bank reserves to a problem that has nothing to do with QE and bank reserves, what are you going to do? After the crisis is over, you're going to remember, I don't want to make markets or get stuck with any illiquid collateral. 15 years ago, that was subprime mortgages and even prime mortgages. Now dealers are thinking, I don't necessarily want to, to, to make markets in off-the-run treasuries because that became a huge issue in March of 2020. So bringing us back to today, the mainstream says the problem is liquidity in the treasury market, therefore maybe something about QT regulations, we don't know, when the real issue all along has been collateral, prioritizing the liquidity characteristics of even U.S. treasuries. And in that context, a treasury buyback program actually makes sense because the treasury buyback program is saying we're going to remix the amount of marketable debt that's out there, taking off the run treasuries out of the marketplace and putting more on the run treasuries into it to increase the supply of useful collateral. It's dealers saying if we have another, another period like March 2020, we know that we can't make markets and off the run trade. We know what's going to happen in the repo market, so we don't want to do these things. Again, this isn't about a breakdown in the treasury market. It's about the market. It's about collateral. It's about how the system actually works. So while we might say treasury buyback programs, maybe that's good in the future, we still have to deal with the fact that like at the end of September this year, massive collateral squeeze, the likes of which we haven't seen in many years, even worse in some proportions than March 2020. So no wonder they were talking about treasury buybacks in October. The, the Treasury Borrowing Advisory Committee is saying, we just barely got through this one. We don't want to do it again. I'm Jeff. Thanks for watching. Thanks for joining me. As always, special shout out for all the Eurodollar University members, subscribers. We'll have some Eurodollar University members at the end of the video. Until next time, everybody take care.